The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast. Here on CBS Sports, that's Tom Fernelli, that's Danny Cannell, that's Bud Elliott, I'm Chip Patterson, coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe, smash the like, and come and join us in the chat. Pack 12 win totals moving on. Today, we are going to hit USC, UCLA, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, and Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffs. We are going to ask how many games you're going to win this fall. Also, they get into a little bit more coming from Northwestern later on in the show, including what kind of candidate uh, might be attracted to that job when they might be able to go take that job. And so the moving forward for Northwestern football, again, uh, here in some of these win total shows, we're going to be doing the new stuff at the end of the show. Make sure that those of you who are coming in, the Pac-12 fans, that you're going to get what you need right off the bat. So, gentlemen, y'all ready to count them up? Yep. I think it's the, the under count is a safe up. play. Like, I can't even. Count them up. Count them up. How many games are going to win this fall? I can't fathom who wins. How many games are going to win this fall? I just can't. I don't see it. It's not, it's not on there. It's not, not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere. And the schedule that I'm looking at right now is for Lincoln Riley. Caleb Williams, and the USC Trojans. Caesar Sportsbook, over under, currently set at 10, around 10 wins. Over at minus 110, under at minus 120. Uh, starts off with a, a manageable non-con. Hey, we get USC in week zero. So that's going to be an early look at the Trojans. They play San Jose State. They follow that up with Nevada in week one. Stanford at home in week two. Take a break, come back in action on September 23rd, back-to-back road games, but it's against Arizona State and Colorado. Manageable. Back home against Arizona, and then the schedule heats up. From October 14th until November 18th, it goes at Notre Dame, Utah at home, at Cal, tricky, tricky, Washington at home, at Oregon, UCLA at home. What do we have defensively? Uh, a group that needs to show a lot of improvement. Alex Grinch, certainly with a lot of pressure. Bear Alexander from Georgia, among the notable transfer additions on that side of the ball. You have uh, Dorian Singer from Arizona coming in to bolster a wide receiver group that when I was doing my breakdown, 
brings back a lot. Like mm-hmm. Jordan Addison was a superstar, but in terms of actual production, they are bringing back a lot of what they had, you know, whether it is from Mario Williams, whether it is from Taj Washington, Brendan Rice, you know, that wide receiver room is still good. Oh yeah. Marshawn Lloyd just picking up South Carolina's best running back and throwing him into the mix as well. The offense needless to say looks loaded. Is it enough and can the defense improve enough for USC to be able to be an 11, 12 win team in the regular season? What say you, Danny Cano? All right. I have a, a question for you guys. Sure. We or I'll have a statement. I think we can all agree. Do we all like trust that the offense is going to be pretty dang good? Like yes, top one five. Of, yeah. One of the best right? in the country. Yes. Okay. So let's just assume their defense isn't, let's say it's slightly better, but it's not great. What offense gives you concern? On the schedule? Yeah, on the schedule. I think it's Washington and I think it's Utah. Both those games are at home. I think UCLA – I think UCLA's offense is – At Oregon, UCLA. uh, Doesn't this all depend on what level of defense USC plays? Like, if the USC plays the defense it played last year, there's probably six offenses that scare you. If it makes a material jump on defense, there's probably only three. Point being, the offenses that give you trouble – Two of them are at home. Mm. One of them's on the road. Like, I think 10 and two. I think this is one of those ones where it's most likely 10 and two. But if you were going to go one way or the other, I'm going to go over because of the Caleb Williams factor and because of where the, you know, the tougher games lie at Oregon, the clearly the toughest road game. The other one's manageable. Notre Dame, I think it's a little tricky, but I don't think it's something that's like insurmountable. Um, I feel pretty good about 10 and two at worst case. One of the I, over, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're going over. Okay, I, I think the interesting thing. I don't. I think it's going to be a USC win, but I think the best indicator we might get of this defense will be that Stanford game. In that, I don't think Stanford talent wise is very good, but I think schematically with what they're bringing in there, that's the kind of offense that I feel can give USC trouble and has given USC trouble. So, like, if the Trojans struggle in that game, I mean, they get the bye afterwards, so maybe that'll give them a chance to get it going. But that could be a bad sign. I'm I'm on push officially, but taking a side, I'm taking the under. And I know that kind of goes against the whole, you know, college football playoff of USC, Florida State, Georgia, you know, everybody, Texas and Georgia, everybody's back. But, like, that bye is early in the year, September 16th. And then they've got three games they should win rather handily at Arizona State, at Colorado, Arizona. At Notre Dame, I think they're probably going to win that game because I don't think Notre Dame is going to be great this year. But you're playing all these games in a row without a bye, and the schedule concludes in the back half with at Notre Dame, Utah, at Cal, Washington, at Oregon, UCLA. By the time you get past that Cal game and you're staring Washington, Oregon, and UCLA UCLA in the face, this is a team that could be kind of beat up. And we saw, like, last year, at the end of the year, Caleb Williams was banged up, and USC played poorly. Once he got hurt, they lost Utah in the Pac-12 title game. They lost to Tulane in the bowl game. Like, it's... I I think 9-3 and three is more likely than 11-1 and one with this schedule. I tend to agree with you on that, uh, that it could be. If Caleb Williams gets hurt, but if well, yeah, he stays- Miller Moss, like our drop off yeah. here, like this is this is one where I would not recommend you betting your actual dollars at the beginning of the season because mm-hmm. ten and two feels likely. Danny, I'm with you on the over, but if you want to look at the back half of the schedule and do some like QB injury insurance, <laughs> and like you don't you don't want to be having to sit on that, knowing that you've got the backup quarterback because of the drop off that you have from Caleb Williams to Miller Moss. I'm going to go over as well. Um, I was looking to play like like there there's some exact win total odds out there and I, I was looking to play ten uh, as as an exact. Uh, I like what they did on the offensive line. I like the Emmanuel Pregnant take from Wyoming. I thought that's a good guard. Michael Tarkin w- w- was a good player last year for Florida, so I, I think they did a nice job beefing up the offensive line. And they went out and got a lot of guys on defense who were just like experienced, quality college ball players. Maybe not next level difference makers. Like, I don't think Mason Cobb's a stud, but he's at least a good enough you know, college ball player to play competent linebacker for them. Bear Alexander, you know, maybe a difference maker. 
Not a lot of guys who look like Bear Alexander out west, to be honest. So if he plays to his ceiling, they certainly have, have a level that could unlock on defense. Roland Wallace was a pretty good player last year for Arizona. So I'm going to go ahead and take the over. I do have them rated as the best team in the Pac-12. So, man, I'm so excited about the Pac-12, by the way. Like, there's a really good chance that we have like three or four Pac-12 teams that have only one loss rolling into November. Like mm-hmm. that, that could be amazing. And then having them all play against each other is going to add a lot of excitement and intrigue. It's going to put them in a spotlight in a way that should benefit the conference in a, in a really big way. We're going to be so tired in November this year because we're, our, our live shows are not going to be able to go live. You know, when, when, no, no, no. We, I like what we did last year, 1130. Okay. Come hello, high water. <laughs> we go live at 1130. All right. It's the Saturday night live approach. So we're not going live because it's ready. <laughs> we're going live because it's 1130. All right. And if something happens after 1130, we react to it on the show. We've, we've got enough to lead off an, an early segment at 1130. This is, I'm, I'm very much enjoyed what we did last year. Tell the audience when we're going to be, when we're going live. No games. 11.30 p.m. Eastern time. Just giving the double bird to the entire West Coast. <laughs> yes, I, I am. I am. You can you can come and meet us in the 8 p.m. Eastern time window, <laughs> and then we will be going live right at the conclusion. Uh, yeah, I'm on the pushed over as well. Again, would not recommend it because of quarterback depth and the way that it goes there at the end of the season but should be a super exciting uh, year for the Trojans. Count them up! So the next two teams are UCLA and Utah, and they are both, and I've, I've lined these up sort of almost you know top to bottom and then the way that they're priced, but UCLA and Utah, they both have eight and a half wins. Um, okay, that's I, I would think that Utah's the better team here, two-time Pac-12 champions. And then UCLA's prices uh, split minus 115 to the over, minus 115 to the under. Utah plus 140. Wait, why, does U, why, why does Utah... Oh my gosh, look at the schedule. Schedule brought to you by Sharman for the UCLA <laughs> Bruins. All right, they start with Coastal Carolina at San Diego State, NC Central. Shout out to the Eagles. And then they do go uh, to play at Utah, where, as we've mentioned, the Utes in the last three seasons of full schedules are 19-0 and 0 in home games. Off week on September 30th, Washington, come back in action, Washington State at home, at Oregon State, at Stanford, then Colorado at home, at Arizona State, at Arizona, Arizona State at home, at USC and Cal. Bud mentioned in the last Pac-12 episode that there is a collection of teams that you want to play in in the Pac-12, and UCLA has absolutely every one of them. We have uh, a you know Dante Moore, superstar freshman quarterback, Colin Schley from Kent State coming in there. Uh, we will see who ends up getting that starting co- job, but the running back room got bolstered. They say goodbye to Zach Charbonnet. They welcome in Carson Steele from Ball State, guy who was a you know fourth team All American, one of the best running backs in the MAC. Uh, at the wide receiver position, uh, they pick up J. Michael Sturdivant from Cal. I think that was really, really big to bolster that room. And they've got approximately nine tight ends who are 6'6", 260 pounds, and an offensive line that should absolutely mash people. The question for UCLA, like many teams in the Pac-12, what are they going to get on the defensive side of the ball? So with a schedule that looks manageable, an offense that looks like it can be prolific, but I'll uh, give you first crack at this one. What are we doing with the Bruins? Give me the over on UCLA. Uh, I'm, I'm going to bet on the quarterback room being at least good, maybe very good. I think Dante oh, Moore. Barbers too. Sorry. Right. They, they got three good ones. Yeah, like like Schley had some some real work to do in spring, from what I understand. Uh, Moore, I just saw a clip of him on Instagram throwing the ball really really far on the beach. So I, I think some of the the injury concerns that were maybe there in spring look alleviated as far as as far as the arm. Uh, Garbers, I think, is at least a, a passable uh, to potentially good quarterback defense. I'm projecting to take a step forward for the Bruins, and I, I think they're they're going to be just fine at receiver, if not better than last year, although I did like Jake Bobo quite a bit. Uh, my question here is offensive line for the Bruins. Uh, I, I think they are uh, scarily thin there, so they will need to stay healthy. I, I'll be taking the over here. I did bet some UCLA to make the playoff at 40-1, to 1, by the way. It's huge odds, but I, I think it's, it's <laughs> again, I, like why do you bet something? Because you think it's more likely than the odds say. I think that their odds to make the playoff are, are better than 40%. Or then, then excuse me, plus forty-one. I bet something because I want it to happen. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I'm on the under here. Wow. Hmm. I it's not that I it's not like a very confident one, but like Coastal Carolina at San Diego State, I think they will win both those games, but that's not tissue soft, Chip. I think that's a little overstating. Uh, NC Central, they should win. But you look at their road slate, like at Utah, at Oregon State, at USC. Those are three games that I feel like could be easy losses, like legitimate. So then you're asking yourself, can you go you know, undefeated in your other nine games? They can it's just, it's not something I would bet on. I, I feel like this team, Bud, you mentioned the offensive line. I think that is one of my kind of concerns about this spot. Like if they suffer a couple injuries up there, I just don't know what they have behind it. And while this isn't like the SEC or the Big Ten where they're going up against monster defensive fronts every week, I still think that's going to matter in this league because I do think they're getting better in that area. So I lean under, this is not going to be something I'm betting. But of the two options available to me, I think eight and four is more likely than nine and three. So that's where I am. All right, I'll be tiebreaker. But in my mind, I actually went through. I didn't take a 41 uh, playoff bet. I d- definitely didn't do that. But I went through the first time I said nine and three said over. And then I went back and I was kind of looking at it deeper. Um, I think Bud has more confidence. And now this is, you have more familiarity with Dante Moore, like trustworthiness of what he could be. But I just see true freshmen. I don't care what his, you know, status is coming in. I still think there's going to be a learning curve. The other thing I thought about too was, you know, is a home field that much of an advantage to UCLA? Like, is that a significant? I think it's almost a detriment, you know, when you still see them struggle to get that home field advantage. Uh, playing there so I leaned under because of quarterback inexperience uh, and just the schedule I I don't feel great about it I actually erased it went under so I was over first and I erased it went under so I don't feel great about it but I'm just gonna I'm gonna lean towards that and the other thing too is the trajectory of Chip Kelly was straight up like he's got incrementally better but he also had a quarterback who's getting incrementally better every time there's also the aspect this is what had me talked into the over I was like, DTR was really good, but man, was he inconsistent. He could make the big mistake. Like, if you can eliminate that, maybe you get that Chip Kelly offense that's humming a little bit more. So, I'm just kind of talking out some of my indecision on this one. I'll lean under, but I don't feel great about it. I I got to nine without even having to get to toss-ups. <laughs> wow. I, got, I gave them Coastal, San Diego State, Central, Washington State at Stanford, Colorado at Arizona, Arizona State, Cal. And... They're, I've got them as a loss at Utah, and I've given them coin flip at Oregon State and USC, U, UCLA, end of the season. Who knows? Game's probably 42-41 and comes down to some whoever makes a mistake at the end. So I like it's, it is my most confident over, I believe, here uh, on, on this show. Let me ask you over, boys, this. Is there any thought or consideration to the fact that USC and UCLA are leaving the conference at the end of the year? And Even, we, are you going to go to the to the to the refs sort of Death Star? You know, just saying thing here. Pac twelve like, yeah. refs are Pac twelve refs have never really been the most consistent to begin with, and you know, like they could make some calls that would look terrible, but at the same time, you just chalk it up to up oh, Pac twelve refs. <laughs> Like you could you could talk me into backing off of being so bullish on at Arizona and maybe Cal, but I don't I don't know, man. I just see a lot of dubs on the schedule. I do think missing Washington and missing Oregon and having Stanford as one of your road games is a huge deal. Like talk about no home field advantage. Nobody goes to Stanford games, and Stanford is probably the worst power five team, maybe by a lot. I mean, to me, and that with, with their with their non-con, like, you know, Coastal, I think maybe a little better than people think because they, they did retain, you know, Grayson. But San Diego State, I don't think it's very good. So they should be an easy 3-0 in the non-con. We will see. We we found we found our first really great divisive uh, squad. You know, everybody was kind of in lockstep when we were going through the former Pac-12 North, and so if we're starting to you know veer veer off the path a little bit, means we got a lot more to debate. So coming up on the other side, how about those two-time Pac-12 champions? We're going to Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, and yes, Colorado next. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, rolling through uh, Pac-12 win totals part two. These are the teams that were previously in the Pac-12 South. Of course, no division play. We turn our attention to the Utah Utes, who, in addition to having a couple of uh, conference title trophies and a couple wins against USC last season, they bring back Cam Rising, their star quarterback. The schedule is tough, though. This is very, very difficult. Uh, you start with Florida at home, then you come back in week two. You go at Baylor, Weber State back at home on September 16th. Follow that up with UCLA and then at Oregon State. Kind of a brutal start there for Utah. Then it, it doesn't get much easier. You come back from an October 7th off week with Cal at home on the 14th, at USC, Oregon at home, Arizona State at home, then at Washington, at Arizona, and Colorado to close. You definitely have maybe three. You've got three of your you know win best chances to get wins or easiest games in Pac-12 play all coming there in the month of November. Will they get to a good, enough wins when they get to that point to be able to hit this win total? Tom, you get first word. All right. You mentioned the schedule, the first five games of the year. I'm going to start by making it clear that both 5-0 and and 4-1 and are more likely than this following scenario, but a 1-4 start is not out of the question with this schedule, even though they've been very good at home. When you're starting with Florida, at Baylor, UCLA, at Oregon State, those are all four games that Utah can lose. So when you see that, and again, I don't think that's going to happen. I think four and one is more likely than one and four there. But it's hard to get this team to nine and three with that schedule. And then you get the bye, and then you've got USC on the road. You've got Washington on the road. You've got Oregon at home in between there, which is good because, as we've mentioned multiple times in these two episodes, Utah, very good at home within the conference. So I'd give the Utes the edge there. It's just that is a tough schedule. And this is a team that, you know, has over, you know, it's been very good the last few years. It's won the conference for, you know, for God's sakes. But I just look at the schedule this year and I look at how other teams in the league have improved and how all those teams that are improving are on Utah's schedule mixed with a non-con that includes two other Power 5 opponents. I have to go under. And I mean, we've, you know, we can argue that everybody's been kind of doubting Utah for years and they keep winning it, but I haven't been doubting Utah for years. This is the year I kind of doubt Utah. I don't hate you for it. I, I am very slightly under, definitely not betting this. Um, what gives me pause is that they're so well coached on both sides of the ball. They're physical. I heard Phil Steele the other day, the kind of the godfather of season preview stuff. He was on a radio show I was listening to. I forgot which one it was. Apologies, but not, not Denny's, which we should listen to after the show's <laughs> over. And he said that Whittingham challenged him to find a team in the country that was better on both lines of scrimmage which is pretty like, whoa, okay, Kyle Whittingham likes what he what he has uh, along the lines of scrimmage. What I don't know is, is, is Cam Rising okay? Like, he tore his ACL in the Rose Bowl, mm-hmm. and he's not a great passer. Like, his kind of mobility, you know, kind of being creative type slipperiness, not, not that he's a great athlete, but he's a decent, like, mover in the pocket. That's an important part of his game. I do agree with Tom. There is some slip-up potential early. Also, if you want to find a fault with Whittingham, he does not get his team prepared in the month of September. Historically, oh, they yeah. are a terrible early starter. Like so Either it's picking the wrong quarterback, which 
if rising is healthy will not be the case this year or just like not having a team is prepared. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, here, figured out what we got. I'm very slightly under very slightly. Do you guys realize who you're talking about here? You're I know. Who yeah, yeah. is a nine win machine since 2015. <laughs> like the only question is, is it going to be nine, 10 or 11 wins on a season? I know the schedule is tough, but I think what we're underestimating is just how good this team is and always has been. And I'm glad you gave that comment from Phil Steele because what I thought was, and I was thinking more on the defensive side of the ball where they have nine guys back. The defensive front seven is always physical, always hits you in the mouth, always has really good backers. They just are always a physically imposing team, which I think is something we forget about. Like, and it's just a lost skill to just have guys that tackle really well and go out there and play hard. I too was like, I, I, the Baylor game is really sneaky. I think Florida first game of the year, I think Florida's not going to be used to altitude chip. You gave the 19 and 0 stat at home the last three seasons. Like it is very real when you go there. I mean, we, we've been going to park city. So we fly into salt Lake when you're up there, it's like, okay, yeah, you see it. And it's got, they have a great atmosphere and I get the concern about Cam rising, but have we seen the quarterbacks that he's had, you know, since 2015 where he's been winning and, you know, winning a lot of games? Like, I, I get and – and a big reason why I'm on the over is because of Cam rising, but I'm not that concerned. They usually have a pretty good stable of running backs where they can run it. I think Keithy is a pretty good tight end where you're not going to see that much drop-off from Dalton Kincaid. I, I feel pretty good about this one on the over. Keithy's really good. The wide receiver room is um is is a little thin. They're 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 piece of, and look, so uh Jaquindon Jackson, former Texas quarterback who went to Utah, has been moved over to running back, kind of flashed a little bit. They've got Jaquindon Jackson and Micah Bernard. Like it is going to be a running backs and tight ends and cam rising, go figure it out kind of offense, but they've got the best defense in the Pac 12. And I think that that's going to be absolutely huge in being able to win some of these coin flip games at Baylor is so brutal. Somebody in the chat just mentioned too, that it's already got the 12 PM Eastern time kickoff. So you're getting, you know, early morning Utah on the road in Waco. It's that's, that's not a good spot for the Utes right there. Is that a big noon game too? Probably if it's a noon, is that the Fox? No. Well, who gets? No, they're oh, doing TCU. They're yeah, doing. TCU, they're going Colorado. So, has the first yeah, two weeks of the smart, season, so it's not I think on their part to to use their Colorado early. <laughs> yes. Can um, I, give away can our I picks just pose a rhetorical question here? Yeah. Is Utah the best defense in the Pac-12? Okay, so what's who else do you have? Just saying, I don't know if that's going to be the case. I don't think Utah is the best defense in the Pac-12, but it no. could be. It who could has, be. But I don't think they're it is. always in the conversation. We'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. They were weirdly like, Washington this year. They were weird. Oregon, like bad against the run last year. They were. Uh, we, we I talked about this a lot with, with Steve Bartle on on summer school of Ute Zone. If you're a Utah fan out there, like they they kill it on the Utah coverage. I mean, really, all of our Pac-12 stuff at twenty four seven just blows away the competition. I think just to be a total homer here, but I I challenge. Like I think we're our Pac-12 st- stuff is better than all the other networks combined. Like they're best because we we actually care about it. They had a problem last year with their new defensive tackles coach not meshing with the scheme they were wanting to run. And it took a long time for them apparently to get everything settled. And now they feel like they've got it. And so like I asked, like, so Steve, you're like, you're telling me they have the guys. He's like, yeah, they definitely have the guys. It's just, it was sort of a, a coordination issue early on. Um, They have a lot of big plays. Yeah. Like Like, on on the run, like like as far as mm -hmm. like they, they, they're not just a just just a one gap go get it defense. Like they they play a lot of two gap stuff. It's it's really like there's there's a lot of you know intentionality to what they do on defense. It's not just chaos, and it took some time. Over by the way, Don't is anybody actually matter. betting this under with their own money? No, uh, no. I think eight and a half mm-hmm. is a very fair number. Mm-hmm. Eight and a, eight and a half minus one forty five. Do not lay an extra forty five cents and let the books hold it for an entire season. For you to sweat out whether Cam Rising's knee is going to make it all the way to November, or make it to that. September first. Yeah, <laughs> make it make it make it through the the Florida game. All right. How many games are going to win this fall? And we have we have really championed 
Jed Fish's journey as he now prepares for year three with the Arizona Wildcats. Over under win total at the Caesar Sportsbook at a round five wins with over at plus 120 and the under at minus 150. Start out with the nice little W. Northern Arizona at home, but then going to Starkville for the Cowbells to play Mississippi State on the road. Uh, come back home to play UTEP on September 16th. Then the Pac-12 opener is at Stanford, followed by Washington at home, at USC, at Washington State. Get your break after those first seven games and come back in action against Oregon State at home, UCLA at home, at Colorado, Utah at home, and at Arizona State. Tom, they play hard. And we do think that, you know, Jacob Cowing's going to be, again, just a phenomenal player. Can Jane Delara throw less interceptions? I don't know. An interesting <laughs> and important question as we look at Arizona. A huge question. <laughs> so um, what, are we, what are we doing with this uh, with this win total? This this win total could make its way to another win totals pod later in the offseason here. Uh, I know I've been the big supporter of Jed and that they play hard and they're making huge monster wins on the recruiting trail. I think five is a little optimistic for this year. I, I look at the schedule and where are like the games that you're convinced they're going to win? Like Northern Arizona. Okay, cool. Utah, fine. But there is no other game on this schedule. It's like, oh yeah, that's definitely a win. So it's hard. I gave them Stanford, but I'm not Stanford Tom. We all know that Stanford Tom has spoken <laughs> his piece in terms of the Cardinal. <laughs> no, they can. I think that's a very winnable game for them. I'm just not going to chalk it up. It's, it's a coin flip to me. Uh, you know, Washington is probably a loss at USC, a loss at Wazoo coin flip, Oregon state at home, slight loss, but coin flippy UCLA at home coin flippish at Colorado favored probably, but we'll see Colorado might that point of the year might be a much better team than the one we see in September, Utah loss at Arizona state coin flippy. So it's like how many coin flips are going to go their way? Like there's that game at Mississippi state in the non-con where it's like, I have questions about the Bulldogs this year, but I'm also pretty aware of like bottom half Pac-12 teams going on the road to play the SEC. Usually it doesn't go the Pac-12's way, so I have a hard time giving Arizona a great shot of winning that game, even with the changes in Starkville. So I'm under. I'm pretty comfortably on the under, and it might be a lock later. The first season win total I bet this year was Arizona under five and a half. Yeah. It was it, it just it just screened me. I was like, wait a second. They lost most of their best players to the teams that are playing the NIL game in the portal. And they think they're going to be better. I I don't yeah. see it. It's possible. Delora really does have talent, but he also has the ability to lose games that we just racked up as gimmicks mm -hmm. because he he will throw some crazy interceptions. I I think Jed Fish is doing a good job. I I I could be wrong here, and I don't like five as much as I do five and a half, obviously. But if I had to play it, I, I think I'm still like a half win under this. So I, of the ones that we've talked about today, the UCLA stuff, I would I would actually bet some, uh, especially with, with the longer odds. Like if they stay healthy, I think they have outside outside playoff potential. And Arizona under, I, I think there's a like a lack of a middle class in the Pac-12. It may be the case they sneak up, stay healthy, get one of the of the team, the five six teams we think is an upper class team, uh, but I don't think that this is a a real special football team. So four and eight to me is more likely than six and six, which is probably better if you want to be good the next season. So then you don't lose all your good players because I mean this is and, USC pipeline. And the league gets a ton easier next year, <laughs> right? The league gets easier. Um, Knicks, Penix are gone. UCLA, USC are gone. Rising's gone. I mean, the, the, like, yeah. Jed quick, quick Fish, was, uh, he was at the Super Bowl. Uh, he did some stuff with Sirius. We actually uh, were at the Luke Combs concert together in the Sirius XM box. Just Hell like, yeah. Dropping, you know, <laughs> rubbing shoulders with the big wigs. <laughs> uh, I like him a lot. I like him a lot. Like, I think, I, I think once you, like, sometimes you see a guy and you look at his resume. When I looked at his resume, hopping from one school to the next, I was like, does he have the experience? Like, what's going on? I think there's a reason why he's gotten these promotions and why he's gotten this job. He's very much a people person. I think he's a good coach. Uh, I think re I think they probably are five and seven, but there's no way I'm going to pick them to go six and six to beat this. So I'm on the under as well. Quick, quick aside, real quick, because you mentioned that Arizona is a pipeline for USC. If anybody who's making the new EA college football game is listening to this show, 
Are you going to do it to where, like, in the past, where, like, if you had three players from a certain state, it became a pipeline state for your recruiting? If you get a certain amount of players from another school in the transfer portal, will that become a transfer portal pipeline school for you? <laughs> What's weird is that I don't think anybody thought it would play out this way. You might have thought, yeah. like, a group of five school that was regionally close. They'd pluck yes. from there. You did not think it was going to come no. from within the conference. Yeah, that, like... Florida State goes to Charlottesville and says, give me the one player who needs a lifeboat out of here. Mitchell Cypress, let's go. Oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, I am. I, I think five and seven looks fairly likely. I've got on my notes, push to under. If you're going to make me go one way or the other, I'm also on the under. My wins are Northern Arizona, UTEP, and Stanford. And then toss-ups are at Washington State, at Colorado, at Arizona State three road games as your toss up. So you're going to be able to win all three of them to be able to hit this over. I, I think not tough schedule for the Wildcats coming up on the other side, new head coaches at Arizona state with Kenny Dillingham, Colorado with Deion Sanders. And we will have a new head coach eventually at Northwestern. Our thoughts on that job and candidates next. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's go Ace. Oh, what? What? Is that Chris Eubanks? <laughs> yeah, ACC. What's up? That's Georgia Tech. What's the, what, what's the score right now? Uh, he's up uh, this 1-1 sets. He's up 5-3 in the third set. About to take a 2-1 lead potentially. Let's Huge go. Upset. Love that. Um, he's a so legend. Is like pickleball? What are we watching? Come on, <laughs> come on! Yeah, you, you see, he's like six seven. Got yeah, a monster he's got star. a really good personality too. I mean, I just have gotten into Wimbledon the last two days, but watching the pieces on him, he's fun, man. He's he's incredible. And they, they told you a story that he was like in media for a little bit. Yeah, he was yeah. a commentator, and now Which, he's back in the game. Some of the commentators were like, "Oh, that must help him out there now." I'm like, "No, it didn't." Oh. No, I think it only Dude. made him more fun on the desk and talking on the microphone. You yeah. know, in terms of understanding, yeah. you know, what to say. Uh, my right. uh, my buddy, um, speaking of tennis, like one, one of my best friends here in Orlando, he's UCF's women's tennis coach. Met him. We played golf together. Yeah, like re really good hand-eye coordination like you'd expect. He made it to the national championship, and he had to play John frickin' Isner on an indoor court. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, okay, yeah. Oh, we're turning in Horses for courses, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Arizona State, Kenny Dillingham, year one. And this thing is a, a like strip it down and build it back up situation. The schedule sets up. He has Drew Pine in as his new quarterback. He also has Jaden Rashada there representing the future. Will the future be the present? We wait to see. Uh, Arizona State opens up with Southern Utah on a Thursday night in week one, but then welcomes a visit from Oklahoma State visit from Fresno State. Those are two very, very difficult uh, other non-con games right there. Conference schedule opens up with USC at home on September 23rd at Cal, Colorado. Then they get their break on October 14th at Washington on the 21st. Washington State at Utah, at UCLA, Oregon, and Arizona. 
The win total is currently at four and a half over heavily juiced to minus 150 under at plus 120. If you think this is a four and eight football team, um, but do you think this is a four and eight football team? I, I do. Um, like, look, I think Kenny Dillingham's a pretty bright guy, but he's much less proven as a head coach than, than like a Jed Fish, right? Or even than Dion, who has never coached at this level, but at least he's been a head coach somewhere before. Uh, there are a lot of really good head coaches in this league who he is going to have to play, uh, which makes it difficult. I have them an underdog in you know, almost all their games. I think there's some decent pieces here. And this is a tough one to evaluate for using last year's prior because those guys just like some of those guys just straight up quit on Herm Edwards, right? And did not like show up to practice and, and were like, yeah, this is kind of a joke of a coaching staff. So, like, why are we really going to, you know, stick around? So, I'm not like, I think they're better than they were last year. But how much is this is a tough one for me to, um, to project. But if I have to, I'm going under and I'm sticking with the idea that there is a lack of a middle class in the Pac 12 this year and that you have six legitimately, you know, top, top five to top 25-ish power-rated programs, and then a massive gulf, and a lot of teams that are down there in like the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today. <laughs> so radio stations. <laughs> All right. KRQ. <laughs> WBUD. <laughs> um, I've, I've got the under. I, I quickly started filling up losses. I think Oklahoma State's a loss. I think USC's a loss. Washington, Utah, UCLA, Oregon. That's six of them right there. Uh, I will give toss-up consideration to Fresno State, Cal, Colorado, Washington State, and Arizona. But man, to to get that done, you still need to hit go four and one across those five toss-up games. And when you've got just massive personnel turnover here, uh, I just I, I find it really difficult to extend as as, mu- as much as I do like to put in an extra boost in the chipolytics for vibes and Kenny Dillingham, you know, flipping the vibes around. I, I just don't don't quite see it there. So I'm I'm on the under right here. I will. To, to add to Chip's point here, they don't get Stanford in the Pac-12. That is a huge problem. Like, you, if you are a new head coach at one of the bottom schools, you need to get Stanford because not that Stanford is a guaranteed layup. I agree with Tom; they may be better than we think, but they are the most likely guaranteed layup of all of these schools. And to not have them on your schedule is a problem. And you need to have your team ready to play in the month of September because Mike Gundy and Jeff Tedford are on the schedule at Oklahoma State and Fresno State. And, like, those guys can coach. Yeah, right? that's a coaching mismatch. That's unfortunate for early on. Dillingham. There's also de- there's there's depth concerns with this team, too. Like, I, I like Jalen Conyers. I think they have some good playmakers. I don't think the defense is totally barren. But I I, I think 4-8 and eight is more likely than 5-7. and seven. Hell, they could go 3-6 and six in the league and still go under here. Mm-hmm. Tom, over. Not up. Not one I'm super confident in, but Bud touched on it. Like I think Arizona State was a better team than what we saw last year. I just don't think that team gave a damn. And I think that a new coaching staff coming in and some new players and some new voices in that locker room could provide enough of an energy jolt to make this team not good, but far more competitive than what we saw last year. And I look at the schedule like Southern Utah to me is a win. Colorado at home, to me, is a win. Washington State at home, that's a game I think Arizona State's very capable of winning. Arizona rivalry game at the end of the season, I think that's the game Arizona State at the end of the year will be very capable of winning. The two non-con games against Oklahoma State and Fresno were tough, but they're both at home. So I could see them splitting that, and I would give Fresno State the far more likely one that they've won there. So I'm already kind of at five wins. So... Again, it's not a super confident, but I think the home slate is manageable enough that this team can get to five wins if the energy and the vibe shift that I believe is coming comes. And yeah, again, not playing it, but I think five and seven is just slightly more likely than four and eight. I've got him at 4.7. I've got him at 4.6, so I'm over <laughs> as well, but not by a lot. I'm on the over two. Uh, with Mike Norvell Jr., like he really is. When you talk to him, he sounds, his coaching philosophy, the tempo, like his cadence, the way he talks, very similar to the coach that he cut his teeth under all the way back to Memphis. Uh, 
impressed what he did with Bo Nix last year, what he did with Jordan Travis, kind of helping quarterbacks. I do think he's got a quarterback's mind where he mm-hmm. can develop and get the most out of his players. And I also think there's something like there's an excitement. I think Arizona State should be a sleeping giant. Like I think this is a program that should be able to win, especially now the landscape of college football is going to shift. But if they, even if they stay in the Pac-12 or they go to the Big 12, I think this is a program that should expect to get eight wins plus a year. And if they get really good, they should get 10, you know, and sniff that playoffs down the road. I think there's a fan base that's starving for, you know, some success. And I think early on there will be that home field advantage that hopefully they can take advantage of. And I would I would say the Oklahoma State upset is on the table. So if I'm willing to go that far, I'm going to go over four and a half. I will say like I'm not convinced that Drew Prine uh is the starter here. Mm-hmm. Like I know they took him, but like I, I in doing the summer school, uh, I'm that's not the vibe I got that like he's got it completely locked up. Now, maybe it's a I'm not say a fake uh quarterback competition, but I'm not convinced he's totally the thing. My main concern with this team is defensive line. Okay. And think about it. Like Utah's on this schedule, UCLA's on this schedule, Oregon's on this schedule. You have to play those three teams before you play Arizona to finish the year. What's the chances that you are dead legged going to that, into that Arizona game, right? I'd probably be resting a lot of those guys in the second half. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then oh, at, at Washington too, right? And then Washington State before that, like the, they have. We talked about USC's finish. I would argue that relative to the talent level of the team, Arizona State's finish is harder than USC's finish. By week after Colorado, at Washington, Washington State, at Utah, at UCLA, Oregon, Arizona. Good luck. They they could finish. They could finish 0-6 down the stretch. Like That's not likely, but it's within the realm of possibility. Do we have a kickoff time? I, I always love those early Arizona State home games where they show you the temp on the field, and it's like 113. <laughs> <laughs> the first three home games are starting at 10 Eastern, 1030, and 1030. Okay. True story. I think I played the coldest game of my life at this stadium. You know Why? Why? We were on a West Coast road trip, and the when I was with the Giants, went and played like San Francisco one week, and then the next week went down and played the Arizona Cardinals, and so like they just planned, they assumed it was going to be warm, so they like had they had sleeves underneath, but they didn't have like cold weather gear. There was a cold front that came through. It was freezing, mm-hmm. and we didn't have any gear to wear to bundle up for the trip. So like it was the coldest game I think I've ever played in, and I played in like fifteen degree weather. Was just we didn't have You're clothes playing in New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was freezing. It was because yeah. no one had any stuff to wear, like nothing to warm up. They didn't have yeah, like gets, heat warmers. It or gets anything. cold in the desert, man. <laughs> it was freezing. So the Cardinals were playing in Arizona State Stadium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's oh, where wow. they used to play all the time. It's a beautiful yep. stadium. That's right. where I made my first start. Chip was just a wee boy at the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> him up. And we have reached that time. Ever since the very first batch of win totals trickled out, we've been asking, Colorado, how many games are you going to win this fall? Because the schedule for Deion Sanders here in year one, as he takes over with 50-some-odd newcomers between the high school and the transfer portal class, including, you know, star superstar uh, at wide receiver and at cornerback, including Shadur Sanders uh, at quarterback. They start at TCU. Then they go Nebraska for the home opener on September 9th, Colorado State, September 16th. Then the Pac-12 opener is at Oregon, then USC at home, at Arizona State, and Stanford. And then you get the off week on October 21st. Returning to action for the final five games, at UCLA on the 28th, Oregon State at home, Arizona at home, at Washington State, at Utah. We have discussed at length those first five games, TCU, Nebraska, Colorado State, Oregon, USC, and what a challenge it's going to be for a new team. But by the end of it, when they also get a chance to get a crack at Arizona State and Stanford, you know, Arizona a little bit later on in the uh, the season, where will Colorado with an over-under of three and a half wins, over minus 110, under minus 120, where will the Buffs fall? 
And you want to talk about a wide range of outcomes. <laughs> like there are 13 possible records that Colorado could have this year. I'd say there are 17 possible records that count. Just when you look at all the variables, because like, obviously there's the Dion factor, but there's also the, you know, the offense, like Kent, the Sean Lewis, the offense they're bringing that can be kind of a wild card. Uh, there is all the new faces coming in, but unlike a lot of the schools we've talked about where we've seen a lot of new faces coming through the transfer portal, there's like five-star talent among that transfer portal. So it's just, it it's wild. I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. My gut tells me under because I look at the schedule and like that start is tough. Like at TCU, I've got them losing. Nebraska. It would be hilarious. It would be hilarious. It'd be very, very funny. I think they're going to lose that Nebraska game. I don't think it's as as glaring as the TCU one. I think Colorado State could win that game because I think that team is going to take a pretty big step forward this year. I think they're going to lose at Oregon. I think they're going to lose to USC. They could lose the first five games of the season. They could lose the first six games of the season. Um, Under, just because I look at the schedule and I know very little about what this team is going to look like and I don't really see any give-me wins. Like, I'm... Obviously higher on Stanford than everybody else on this show going into the year. So I think that is their one gimme if you're trying to find it. But I don't think that's that. I don't think it's a gimme. I think it's I think those are two pretty evenly matched teams at this point. I wish that you could find somewhere to give you like odds that they make a bowl. Right. Because the, I think well, it depends on the odds. Right. But yeah, I, I, I'm just thinking like this team, perhaps more than any other that we've discussed and maybe more than any that we will discuss in the power five is extremely reliant on health. When, when you build your team with this many transfers, it's the only way to get a, a huge talent infusion uh, in, you know, th- this, this span of time. But like if Shador Sanders goes down, do they win a game? Right. I, I, I don't know. Like who do you have that's going to come and be his backup who can play a lick? I, I don't think anybody. Um, there's a lot of guys on this team where the top level talent like, I think their top-level talent at many spots is higher than Arizona, Arizona State, Stanford for sure, and potentially Cal at some spots. But I do think there's it's also the case that the backups are worse than what you have at those schools. And I have some concerns about attrition here down the stretch. Like There are the sort of like distributions on, on Colorado are wider than these other schools because of the health factor. You know, like they have to get that Colorado State game for this to go over. And I'm not really sure they do. Like, I think I have them favored against Colorado State, obviously. But so much this, too, is like last year they were a bottom five team in the sport. What are you adjusting them to? Like, Tom, I don't know if you got your numbers in front of you. Like, do you have them as a top 90 team, a top 80 team, a top 70 team? I've got them in that. I don't have it in front of you, but they're not in the top 90. So you have them going like 2 and 10. Uh, 2.7. And nine point three. So I'm I'm like three quarters of a win higher than that, but that's still that's still an under slightly. Like I think Dion has done a great job infusing the roster with with transfer talent relative to what they could get. This is a clearly better team than they were last year. The depth stuff does scare the hell out of me. Doesn't the line of scrimmage scare you too? It definitely does, but I think that they have Defensive line, probably more than offensive line. I think their their starting five for that league is probably fine. Like Stanford, Arizona State, uh, Washington State lost a good bit. Arizona, none of those teams scare me up front. Colorado State's got a couple guys who are okay for the G5 level. Nebraska, I don't think it's great on the D-line. But, yeah, like the lines of scrimmage for sure do. I think their scheme uh, optimizes for that. Oh, because sure. they're 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 running the the veer and shoot defensively, we'll we'll see. Like there's a lot of questions here, and I I do think they have, if they stay perfectly healthy and run good turnover wise, I think they have bowl game upside. If they suffer early injuries, they also have like one in eleven downside. LSU vs Far said something brought up something that's very interesting. We should think about because they opened the year with TCU. We're talking about depth. Didn't TCU knock out like four quarterbacks last year? <laughs> oh, that's a great point. They and did. they lost their quarterback against Colorado. Remember, yeah. Morris started that ball game, uh, not mm-hmm. Duggan. I think Your you have to be game. on the under. I think you have to be on the under. And if you if you get beat, you say I was wrong. Like I just didn't know. You know the turnaround. I think Dion's good. I think he's a good coach. I think he's 
underrated as a coach because of his personality. We've talked about, about that a lot. Uh, I think they'll be better next year is the year that you would make that push for them to make that big jump. I just, there's way too many unknowns. Like, I, although, I, like in saying that, I wouldn't be shocked if they somehow pulled off an upset against TCU. I wouldn't pick it. But I think a lot of it does. Like, I also could see them get blown out against TCU and then potentially blown out against Nebraska and then things imploding. And then it's like, and we've talked about that too. Like, Dion, the viral video of him going off on his team saying, hey, you're either wear this or get out of here. Like, threatening guys to, you know, leave the program if they're not buying in to what he's selling. I just, I think there's more likelihood this year is going to be more of a roller coaster and that things could go off the rails and be highly entertaining. But I think you have to take the under. I just think there's way too many unknowns. I think beating Matt Rule in Nebraska would be funnier. That would be. Oh, the yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just after getting blown out by TCU. Yeah. Like two <laughs> first year coaches on like the opposite ends of the spectrum. Matt Rule already threw some shade earlier this offseason when he said he's not a coach who does stuff with a lot of cameras around. He had y- y'all read that stuff in uh, the Pete Thamel piece about how his time in Carolina was a purifying fire. <laughs> <laughs> burnt off all the things. That <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, that one, that one would be the one I, you can sell. Here's I'm not going to say things are getting me in trouble. All right. You can sell <laughs> me on the idea that this Colorado team goes four and eight beating Colorado state, Arizona state, Stanford, and Arizona. Like you could sell me on that. But that is one outcome versus a lot of others that I could see. Uh, I'm on the under here as well. How many games are going to win this fall? All right, that wraps up the Pac-12. So let's turn our attention to that Northwestern job. Um, All assistants are going to be retained, according to multiple reports, as they move forward with the 2023 season. I am honestly a little bit more interested in 2024, unless you believe that someone's going to come in and take that job right now for this fall and maybe have a chance to continue in that job as the Wildcats move on into the future. I don't know, like a coaching search would interfere with the vacations. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't want to bother them. Wouldn't want to bother them with that. Because like Dennis Dodd mentioned that Paul Christ is currently an analyst at Texas. Mm -hmm. And Paul Christ has been mentioned as somebody who would be, you know, maybe a, a sensible selection to lead them. If I was Paul Christ, I, I would not leave right now and I would not try to go take this. So what kind of candidate or names or you know, who are you thinking of in terms of where Northwestern might turn for the future of its football program? There's a couple of assistants of teams we just talked about, I think, could be in play here down the line. Like who? Uh, Ken Niamatololo at Northwestern, I think could be somebody who fits. I think Jeff Munkin, not, he's not an assistant, but I think, I think Northwestern is a team that considering the new landscape could consider going option and maybe wouldn't uh, hate I it. I knew he was going to make the case for that, but I had to get, I had to other options are the offensive coordinator at Colorado. Who's got plenty of experience in the Midwest from his time as a head coach at Kent state. Maybe this will finally end up being the big 10 job. He ends up getting and another offensive coordinator who is in the SEC now, who is from Lake Forest, Illinois, not too far from where I am now, and not too far from the campus in Evanston, a young man named Tommy Reese. These are some names I think could be mentioned for this job in the future. I would go a little bit bigger and more proven. Um, Dave Clawson and Lance Leipold, right? Like, I, I don't think he, in lockstep here. I was, yeah. I was surprised. I don't think you can win like big at Wake, and I don't think you can win big at Kansas. So you might as well go get paid. And Northwestern can pay a lot more money than Wake or Kansas due to the, due to the sort of the if you want to. I don't necessarily like the Big Two language, but it's definitely used by coaches I talk to. So mm-hmm. like it's not going to get uh, that. That's not going away. I think if you're Clawson, there's real there's real fear, uh, not for him, but I think he should have fear that the ACC falls apart, right? And if you can go secure like a ten year, hundred million dollar contract at Northwestern. Hey, there's a lot of good places, good, good spots to live in Chicago, right? So like, that's not a bad look. There's no evidence you can win long term at Kansas. I mean, honestly, Northwestern has been a pretty bad program for the vast majority of like the color TV era, right? They, History, they, yes. Yeah. So, you know, can if you get sell, there's no pressure there, though. So, like, you're making a bunch, bunch of money. I think who doesn't take it as a guy that's like, I'm going to job jump off this, 
right? Like I talked to a couple of coaches, texted around, like, it's a great job because you're going to get rich. It's like generational family changing money, but they treat it as a job, not as like a stepping stone opportunity because the, the odds are that you, you don't get promoted out of there. I will say you're right. This job is attractive on the assumption that you will get rich. I question how financially involved Northwestern's boosters will be going well, forward. So you've heard the same comments about like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, I mean, faucets, the faucets are about to like start to drip instead yeah. of flow from the big two guys. Yeah, that 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 mm-hmm. was the rumor that was going around. That like the if you talk to like coaches and agents and stuff. Mm-hmm, but yeah, don't, man, those guys tend to come back. They, they they do. They're like all right, like they get pissed for a little while. The AD, and then for the most part, they don't hold the grudges forever. But this grudge is like all the way at the university president, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, oh, I honestly, I don't. I, they might come back. There might be a new president. There might be a new AD in charge by the time they do. But like you, you just look at what's happened. Like they just built the athletic facility a few years ago. They've been pr- proposing like a stadium coming up for eight, like an $800 million stadium that I feel it's not dead in the water, but I feel like that took a serious blow those plans this week. And I think that some of the boosters who have been big time financial supporters of this program were very, very attached to Pat Fitzgerald. And I don't know how excited they're going to be. And also like the current leadership that's in charge. I don't know how excited they are to be paying a college football coach, the, going rate to be a Big Ten football coach right now. Do, so, do you think the Big Ten lets that happen? Like, do you really think the Big Ten like lets one of its crap teams just say, hey, like you can go super cheap and, and not even try at all? Like, like I feel like if you're yeah. making that kind of money, they're going to say, you need to spend this. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's Northwestern. It's a private school. I mean, what the, it's... I, do you think the stadium know. happens? Not because right I, now, no. yeah, I've kind of heard some stuff there. That like, yeah, I don't know. There's some skepticism from some folks about the stadium actually getting done. Yeah, I get, uh, I'll just say, I get, we've talked about it. I get Cal vibes from Northwestern right now. How much do they care about mm-hmm. playing the game? Mm-hmm. Like, they are contractually locked in. They're not going to, they're not going to get left behind. They've already got their ticket, but trying to play keep up is like they will, they will pay a competitive rate. Because, like you're saying, but they kind of have to when you're bringing in that kind of money. It's just if you're looking, they're paying at, ten million for an established head coach. No, career? no, I think Eight. they're going to go. Again, I'm using air quotes for people who aren't watching. They're going to go cheap on the football salary, which will probably be five, six million. So somebody will still take it. It's just I don't think you're going to get an established. You, all right, I'll say something crazy. I think every coach in the Big Ten within the next three years will be making at least eight million. Except for Northwestern. Except for Northwestern. <laughs> like I, I, because especially because they don't have to release the salary. <laughs> like, so they don't have to get embarrassed by the, um, you know, pointing at where it looks on the database and everybody, you know, doing that in, in terms of, like, there's sometimes they use that to, to hide money. Like when you're paying somebody way, 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 way more, you know, the tax returns come back with one thing, but you found all these other ways to be able to make the total compensation a lot more. Um, I would, I, w- I would be wary of, uh, it, it would be a great, it, it is going to be a great job. It's going to attract a lot of names, but that's interesting to think that the relationships right now with some of those big money donors, it's, uh, it's gotten a little bit prickly. What's Matt Campbell's salary? Somewhere in that. Spot. You know, Matt Campbell, that would be a, uh, that would be a nice jump for him. See, I mean, I've seen his name mentioned. Do you, I mean, I, I don't think that's out of play. Yeah. He feels like he's kind of tapped out. He is on a six-year, $22.5 million deal that he signed in. The reputation there is that they don't cheat in recruiting mm-hmm. and that he doesn't want to, he does not want to engage in that kind of stuff. There yeah, are certain jobs, there are certain jobs where you have to like be a line stepper if you want to win. Yeah, Northwestern, like, I don't think, requires you to be a line stepper. Yeah, no, I, I think Matt Campbell is very much in a similar vein as what Pat Fitzgerald was doing. The, Except, oh, you know, oh. without the, the nude Sorry. stuff. Sorry. <laughs> Another thing I want to ask about this job is, what, what is my transfer portal situation? Right? All six of the transfers they took, I believe, are grad transfers. Like Northwestern was fighting for, like, guys that Louisiana Tech and Texas State wanted 
on the defensive line. Okay, like they're bottom of the barrel type stuff. They have a really hard time taking undergraduate transfers. A lot of these schools, like like I'm not going to name it because you know, but like there's a school out there that will only take 60 credit hours if you're an underclassman. So if you have three, you know, three years in school already. If you're coming there, they really can't take you because a lot of your credits that you've had relative to your eligibility, you're not going to get credit for them there, right? So it's either take really young guys or take graduates only. That That's a hindrance to winning in today's college football. Like I'd, I'd want to know about the transfer thing. Can I get some exemptions on that? What about NIL? I mean, I'm not expecting that we're going to drop bags on every kid, but like if I have the opportunity to bag a really top top-end quarterback who's a great student, can we do it? Like, do, can, do we have the ability to go give a, a stud quarterback a million a year? Like, if, if I somehow Northwestern got in on a five star, like they got in on Skaronsky, right? The the five star mm-hmm. tackle four or five years ago now. Do, is that a possible? If I can do my job as a coach and I get this kid interested enough in Northwestern, can we make sure the money's right where he doesn't just go to a school that's going to pay him? Those are questions you have to ask. Questions that, um, you know, that, that new leadership is going to have to uh, try to sell when they go out there to try to attract a candidate. Uh, for 2024 and beyond. Right now, um, maybe starting in about an hour or so, Big 12 Media Days is going to be getting started. So in addition to the big old bag of mail uh, for Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern time, we'll hit on some Big 12 topics of note. Make sure if you would like to leave us a question, you can come join us early. You know, come in youtube.com slash cover three. As soon as the link goes live, you can drop a question. We always like to hit some early bird questions right at the beginning of the show. Additionally, if you go and leave us a five-star review, put your question in the review. We'll tackle it in a future mailbag episode. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3 You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. 